We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. Hey, look, I got second phone. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. We will line up. We gonna play. Be the top team in Nashville. The fans showed up. We love y'all. Tighten up, baby. Welcome in everyone to another episode of the music city audible podcast presented by broadway sports media partnered with 440 sports coming to you to recap the titans thrilling victory over the buffalo bills 34 31 final score the titans win it on a fourth down stop what a game what an exciting match in Nashville on Monday night. We're going to recap the game, give you our thoughts, our top takeaways, discuss maybe where the Titans fit into the AFC picture now after a statement win like last night. And then we got a special guest, Ron Kopp, who does film analysis for Arrowhead Pride. The SB Nation Chiefs website will be on to help us preview the Kansas City Chiefs game, Chiefs at Titans, this Sunday. But before we get to any of that, we have a ton of news to discuss it's episode 69, by the way, of the Music City Audible. The Titans were one attendance member away last night from having a attendance number of 69,420. It's our 69th episode. I had to mention that. Anyway, long introduction to say I'm Justin Graver, and joining me as always is Justin Mello. How's it going? I'm doing well, man. Definitely think we're all feeling pretty good after Monday night's win. What, what, what a wild one it was. You know, certainly... Titans have played a lot of entertaining games over the last couple of seasons, right? You, you go through them, talk about that Kansas City regular season game. You talk about the playoff wins against New England and Baltimore. There's that Philadelphia one that still sticks out to me with the fourth and when Vrabel goes for it on fourth down and bypasses the tie. Uh, the goal <laughs> line stand against the Chargers. I mean, they, they've played so the many. Texans, Texans, two great games te- against the Texans last the year. The Ravens last year in the regular season as well, where Derrick Henry had the walk-off touchdown in OT. So, so many crazy entertaining. Seattle this year right it was another yeah. one so so many fun crazy stat, fun stat from john glennon i saw on twitter today yeah. the titans uh since Vrabel took over lead the league in games that they won after trailing in the fourth quarter or overtime there's they have 13 such games next closest team has 10 that explains it right because i feel like they've played so many exciting games and, and this one is right up there man this one is up near the top in my opinion given um you know the implications of it you know Titans doing some soul searching, I think, going into this one. You got the Bills, number one scoring offense and number one scoring defense headed into this contest. Second best rush run defense in the NFL, allowing uh, opposing rushing attacks to only run for 78 yards per game. So uh, this is really a terrific win for the Titans. No doubt about it. And I can't wait to talk about it. But first, we got to take care of some housekeeping here. You said everyone's feeling good today after that win. Not Everyone, unfortunately, it was quite a injury fest for the Titans on the field on Monday night. And the most notable ones are Taylor Lewan being in concussion protocol. And thank God it's nothing worse than that after he fell limp to the ground and laid on the field seemingly unconscious for what felt like minutes um, during that game last night. First round pick cornerback Caleb Farley has torn his ACL his second ACL tear of his young career. His other one was in college at Virginia Tech. 
his season is done. Really just a bummer of a season for Farley, and the Titans continue to get very little out of their draft picks in their rookie seasons, although Elijah Molden looked good last night. And, unfortunately, return man, gadget, wide receiver, former roommate of Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech one week before the Titans play, the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, Cameron Batson also tore his ACL and will miss the remainder of the season. Cornerback Chris Jackson was in and out of the game last night. He ended up with a foot injury. Wasn't placed on injured reserve, unlike Farley and Batson, who were placed on injured reserve. So some hope there that Chris Jackson maybe won't be out for too long. Christian Fulton was added to IR since our last recording, so I figured I'll throw it in there as we talk about all these cornerbacks because one other bit of news is the Titans have signed Greg Mabin, largely suspected to be patient zero for the Titans' COVID outbreak last year before that Bills came. And now the Titans have Greg Mabin on the active roster, so they got him off Arizona Cardinals practice squad to go along with practice squad guys of their own, Chris Jones and Brianne Body Calhoun, the cornerback position is um, an injury ward right now for the Titans. What do you make of all this? It really is. I mean, you, you pretty much did all of the house cleaning there, so I'll, I'll kind of give my thoughts on a couple of things. First of all, obviously, you hate to see the injury to Farley. You know, it's the second time he's torn his ACL uh, in his career. It happened once in college. You you add the back injuries, um, you know, to the slate, and it's, it's certainly concerning, right? Uh, but you hope nothing but the best for him and that he could bounce back next season uh, you know if, if there's a saving grace is that it happened early in the season where you know by September next year uh, kicking off his sophomore campaign he, he will likely I, I would say be ready to return I just saw some Twitter takes out there calling him a bust or calling J-Rob bad at drafting because another first round pick doesn't contribute as a rookie and it's like you can't fault a guy for tearing his ACL go ahead <laughs> I mean look three years from now he's played in six NFL games. You want to call him a bust or injury prone, go nuts. You know what I mean? But it's way too early to make that call. And it was a bit of a freak accident. I'll be, I've watched the clip a whole bunch of times and I still have had a bit of a hard time seeing how it even happened. You know, it, it didn't look like a collision um, uh, that would lead to a torn ACL. So it was certainly a strange freak accident. Wish him nothing but the best. Again, it happened in October. You would think by September, um, you know, 2022, maybe even slightly earlier than that, um, that he'll be able to come back and, and hopefully factor in for the team, much like Christian Fulton, who really did nothing as a rookie. I mean, let's be blunt. The guy was hurt most of the year and did very, very little. So came back into his sophomore year and is the best corner on the team. So you, you'd be a fool to write off Farley this early. You want to talk about the history of injuries and you want to be slightly concerned? Look, I get it. I'm a little concerned. Um, uh, but to make any rash uh, judgments at, at this point doesn't make any sense. Cam Batson, go ahead. Sorry. I will just say, like, there is the slight fear in the back of my mind. I don't even know if this is a real thing or not. That Caleb Farley, he's an insane athlete. Some guys, I feel like, just have this thing where they are so quick twitch that their bodies can't take it. I felt like John Ross was this type of guy. He was just so fast that... He's, his ACLs just tear easier than other normal guys. And this is Farley's second ACL tear in like three years, four years maybe. So I kind of feel a little bit of that concern. But like you said, way too early. I don't know anything about that. But um, but definitely, you know, wishing him the best and look forward to seeing him next year. Batson joins him with the Torrent ACL, as you mentioned. You, you said it, gadget, receiver, kickoff, uh, return guy. A dude with a great spirit. I spoke with Batson earlier on Tuesday you know, uh, offered him my well wishes and he's in good spirits. You know, he's, he's pumped up and 
minor setback for a major comeback. You know, that's kind of what he, <laughs> what he said to me. And, uh, you know, no doubt he's going to be okay. Um, and, and look forward to him coming back and competing for a roster spot next year, as he's done every year in Tennessee and, and has virtually made the roster every single time. So best of luck to Cam Batson. The, the Taylor Luan thing was, was scary. You know, was happy to see him give the crowd the salute on his way out. Uh, he's in the concussion protocol, as you mentioned. Um, and, and, you know, I, I guess you really wouldn't rule him out of playing on Sunday. You know, the concussion protocol sometimes is relatively easy to clear and other times it's not. So it'd be, it'd be tough to, to guess right now being that we're recording this on Tuesday, but you certainly can't rule them out. Again, Titans plays Farley and Batson on IR. The fact that they didn't put Luan on there is definitely a good sign. And shout out to Kendall Lamb quickly, who came in and I thought played a really good game at left tackle uh, in Luan's absence. I mean, I, you know, when he came in, I, I'm not going to lie, I had flashbacks and nightmares of him replacing Luan in that first game against Arizona, where he got <laughs> beat like a drum on like 10 snaps and gave up a sack or two and, really never settled into that, but he came in here, played about 35 snaps and he, you never really noticed him. And, and a lot of, as we always say, that's sometimes a compliment for an offensive tackle, right. Or an offensive lineman in general, when you don't notice them, it's a good thing. They're the guys that don't get all the flash, don't get all the credit. And when you're not talking about them, it's a good thing. So Kendall lamb had that type of performance, thought he played really well. And finally making my way to Chris Jackson with the foot injury, uh, you said it wasn't placed on IR, just like I said with Luan. Probably a good sign. Look, you're not, obviously you're not going to have Fulton in this game. You're not going to have Farley in this game or for any of the games uh, for that matter. But you would like to have Chris Jackson in this game against Kansas City, right, with that passing attack. I thought Jackson played largely okay on the outside. I know he was giving up a lot of cushion, gave up some easy, easy completions. Look, man, that's a tough situation for him, first of all. I think a lot of people, especially, you know, Bills fans who didn't really know him or, or neutral viewers, it was a primetime game. So neutral viewers, that, that guy's a slot corner. You know, that's where they've predominantly played him throughout his time in Tennessee. He's lined up at nickel. So they were just down so many bodies, you know, they, they, they basically the decision they made. And I, I think uh, someone said this in our chat and I, it's funny. I had thought it, the decision they made is they like him better on the outside than they liked Breon borders. And they were right about that because when he went down and borders came in, it was significantly worse. So he was bad. You know, the DPI that he gave up was just God awful. Look, he made a couple plays near the end there. Right. I think he did have a PBU in the end zone. And and it was a big one late. Right. And and I I was worried they were going to call DPI. I did not think it was DPI, Uh, but what you never know at rest nowadays, but they made the right call to keep the flag in the pocket. And then I think he was in on the Josh Allen third, the, the, the diving stop on third down, right near the right yep. before the fourth down play. So, so border and both of those plays were like four plays apart. I, I would say yeah. Two, yeah. same stand, right? Two, three, four plays apart. So, so he did make some plays down the stretch for you there, but certainly I think Chris Jackson is the better player, the better corner and will get, would give you a better chance on Sunday if he can start on the outside opposite Jack rabbit. So uh, I, I was largely okay with what Chris Jackson did. I, again, it, that was a tough spot for him to come in, play on the outside, cover Stephon on top of it. I mean, it's the Bills, you know, covering Stephon Diggs on a couple of those occasions. And I get it. He's given up, you know, eight, nine-yard grabs. I mean, it, you know, and those can get very frustrating for a fan base, and I've been there before, but well, it kind of is what it is. And you really hope you have Chris Jackson in this game. That's all I'll say on that. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, because you, you see those plays, you see the like the 12 yard out that's wide open, easy conversion for the Bills. But the whole point that the, the whole game plan for the Titans defense, and I guess we'll just jump a little bit into some game recap stuff here before we really get there. 
is the Titans wanted the Bills to march down the field on long drives and try to force some mistakes, try to get a sack in there, try to force a false start or a holding penalty, Absolutely. some incomplete passes, some miscues. Make them nickel and, and dime you. And it largely worked. I mean, you can't say it didn't work because the Titans came out with more points than their opponent in this game, and mostly because of the defense stepping up big when they needed to. Yeah, they gave up the yards. The Bills are the best offense in the league right now. Of course they're going to get yards. But what you saw, like a play or two after Stephon Diggs catches a wide-open out route for 12 yards or whatever on the sideline, is the Bills' Josh Allen chucking it deep the next play. And that's what the Titans are covering is get back. Don't let anything get behind you. Keep everything in front of you. And they had a pass breakup on that deep play on the left sideline. A few plays later, Bills try the same thing. Deep shot down the right sideline. Titans defense is backed up. Backup cornerbacks are back there. But because they're backed up and playing to prevent the deep throw, the Bills are getting bored and they're trying to take those deep shots and hit those explosives that they love to to build their offense around. Titans were taking that away. And I think that, you know, even though you're, you see Chris Jackson and Breon Borders and a bunch of backup cornerbacks in, just like the Titans had to use throughout most of last season too, is is nice to see them able to get those stops and ultimately the strategy worked. So let's just jump into it. I, w- I was going to mention that the Titans have 17 guys on injured reserve right now and that Brady Breeze was activated off of injured reserve and that the Titans waived punter Johnny Townsend, which would imply that Brett Kern is set to come off the reserve COVID list sometime this week. And I was going to read through all 17 of these names just because I'm sure you forgot about some guys randomly that you should know, but like Aaron Brewer, Jayon Brown, um, Tommy Hudson, Racy McMath, Daniel Munner, Laurel Murchison, Derek Roberson, Rashad Weaver. Some of these guys are going to come back later this year. Most of them won't, but that's some of the guys on IR that you maybe forgot about that the Titans haven't been playing with for weeks now, so it's been a... a Bit of a crazy year for the Titans from an injury standpoint, but let's talk about this game. Titans do it. They beat the Bills. Seven lead changes, they said on the broadcast, which was apparently a Monday Night Football broadcast record. So as you said off the top, a great game. Terrific game. The Titans always involved in terrific games. And here's an interesting stat. Josh Allen in prime time. Josh Allen has never lost a prime time game except to the Titans. He's 6-0 and against the rest of the league and 0-2 and against Tennessee. That's uh, in the regular season. So that's a pretty funny stat there. But... Including the COVID, yeah, it includes the COVID game. Tuesday, uh, 5 p.m. or whatever it was, 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern time a year ago. But, I mean, like, uh, I don't want to jump all over the place here, but I don't think we've mentioned Derrick Henry enough. I mean, what can you say about the King? 143 yards on 20 carries, uh, busts off a 76-yard touchdown run where he reaches what I think it was 21.80 miles per hour is the fastest speed of his career. I mean, when he busted that thing up the middle. The fastest speed of any ball carrier this year. Faster than Henry Ruggs scoring touchdowns. Faster than Tyree Kill. Faster than any other running back. Like, not just the fastest of Henry's career. Not just the fastest running back. Not just the fastest rushing touchdown. The fastest player carrying a ball yet this year. That includes cornerbacks on pick sixes. That's any player holding the ball. Henry was the fastest one at his size, at his weight. That is absolutely incredible. Sorry, continue. No, I mean, when he busted that thing up the middle, the breakaway speed, I mean, it was it was, it was was breathtaking. You know, you just saw him turn that gear on and and they weren't going to catch him. And I think it was one of the safeties, I think it might have been Poyer, tried to make the shoestring tackle and, and he didn't stand a chance. So what what can you say about that, man? Like I said, this, this rush defense, I, I wrote something for the draft network before the game 
talking about uh, uh, matchups to watch. And I talked about Henry versus that, that defense, you know, 78 yards a game, you know, and, and Henry doesn't care about any of that. He, he rips off 143 on just 20 carries. It was his second lightest workload of the season. You know, uh, ex- just, you know, the Arizona game was the only one that was lighter. And keep in mind, they were down a whole bunch of points in there. So they kind of pulled him and and they had they put McNichols in there, for, you know, to, to, to trek it down to him and whatnot, uh, as they often do when they're down. But second lightest workload of the season for Henry doesn't stop him from hitting three touchdowns and 143 yards on uh, the, the second best run defense in the NFL. It's crazy. I mean. You had a loss for words at this point. I think it's 783 yards and 10 touchdowns. He said, yeah, I think he's had three games with like three touchdowns in each game. It's just, yeah, <laughs> it's unheard of. I mean, the man is, it's just, it's just crazy. I don't even know. I mean, we could do this every week. I just don't know what's left to say about the man. And he's, uh, he did extend his 100 yard rushing streak to five games in this game, 100 yard game rushing streak. Um, which is the longest 100-yard rushing streak of his career. And it's also the best game he's ever had against the Bills. His previous three games against the Bills, 56 rushing yards, 78 rushing yards, 57 rushing yards. He did have a couple of touchdowns in that game last year. 19 carries, 57 yards last year. This year, 20 carries, 143 yards, and another touchdown. He's on pace to break Eric Dickerson's rushing record. He'd be on pace for a 2,000-yard season even in a 16-game season. He'd be on pace to break the attempts record even in a 16-game season. So the extra 17th game is just gravy at this point for Henry's stats. Hopefully, the Titans don't need to play him in that 17th game. And, I mean, the true, true ideal, not that we care at all about stats or whatever, but wouldn't it be incredible if he hit 2,000 yards in 16 games again and then didn't even have to play the 17th game? Titans can rest him for the playoffs, but he still gets the milestone and the record and all those things. That would be incredible. And, and, and then all the naysayers out there can't say, oh, it was a 17, you know, 17-game season. That's the only reason he hit 2K again. So, I mean, I, you yeah. certainly wouldn't put it past him at this point. He might go over 1,000. He could go over 1,000 against the Chiefs this week. It wouldn't be that shocking. He needs like 230 yards or something like 215, I think. roughly. Yeah. So, I mean, that would be wild, but not out of the question. And what's crazy about Henry's season so far is like, this is what he does in December usually. And this is a guy who traditionally gets better and better month by month. His yards per carry, his yards per game, all of it increases month by month as we get closer to December and January. We're still in the, I mean, we're halfway through October, and this is what he's doing. We haven't even got to November, let alone D. Henber. And if anyone doesn't like that nickname, Buck Rising, you're just silly because D. Henber is awesome. So, yes, Derrick Henry was incredible in this game, but let's talk about the pass rush because it was actually a lot better than anything I anticipated. It's been uh, largely better this season, I think, than we anticipated. Harold Landry is third in the NFL in sacks right now with six and a half, and he's the only player in the league with five or more QB pressures in every game this season. Contract year, Titans in a contract year, it's just a thing. What do you what do you make of what Harold Landry's doing, and is it a must for the Titans to retain him after this season? Yeah, I think it's definitely a must. I mean, Harold Landry's earning himself a hell of a paycheck right now. Uh, he's been terrific. I mean, he was great last night. He's been great in every game virtually. And, and he would have had another sack, right? That was, it was ruled out um, thanks to the boneheaded penalty taken by David Long, the illegal, uh, you know, the, the, the hit to the head of Josh Allen yeah. that, that wiped out a second Harold Landry sack. So he's been unbelievable. The Titans have no, I don't think they have a choice, but to retain him at this, uh, maybe crazy. I think not to retain him at this point. 
I'm just saying the franchise tag looks uh, somewhat reasonable uh, for pass rushers. I think it's one year, 17 million or, or, or something along those lines. If they're hesitant to do a four or five year deal, it's going to be tough when you've got, you know, Bud, Bud Dupree on a, I think a five year, $80 million deal. But uh, at this point, if, if they, if they choose, you know, I'm not true. I shouldn't use the word choose, but if they decide not to pay Harold Landry because they have Bud Dupree, I think that would be a big mistake. I'll say that. I a hundred percent agree. And Bud Dupree continues to come along. He didn't do a whole lot in this game. He did have a nice play in there, uh, batting a ball in the air that he almost intercepted, but Josh Allen got there and knocked it down. But that was a nice play from Bud Dupree. But overall, I think the defense did as well as we kind of talked about this, as well as they could have been expected to against what is such a great offense. But I think what was the the injuries. And of course, given all the injuries, the secondary, the linebacking core is pretty beat up too. And, I think the key to this victory here was the stops in the red zone because when you just look at the box score and the team stats, the Bills outgained the Titans 417 yards to 362. They had uh, more time of possession. They had fewer penalties. They, they each had one turnover. They ran a bunch more plays. They had 12 more first downs. They were 7 of 13 on third down, which is over 50%. It's pretty good. Titans were only 4 of 10 on third down. But the Bills were only two for five in the red zone. The Titans were three for three in the red zone. And that really made all the difference in the world. Of course, Derrick Henry had two red zone rushing scores. Tannehill had a red zone rushing score. He kind of got Jordan Poyer back. Poyer picked off Tannehill early in the game on a pretty bad play from the quarterback that was just really underthrown ball looking for, I think it was A.J. Brown down the field, and or maybe it was Julio. I think it was Julio. Yeah. yeah, it was Julio, I think. But... Yeah, I mean it wasn't a it wasn't an awful read. I think Julio even had a step and the and on the corner and Poyer is the safety who undercut even more undercut from the corner's position and picked that ball off. But then Tannehill was met at the goal line by Jordan Poyer and he said, I'm scoring a touchdown. He kinda like shook Poyer off and powered his way into the end zone and scored the touchdown. So nice no. play by the Titans in the red zone and the defense in the red zone is really the reason that they were able to come up with this game, I mean, obviously the holding them to a field goal, but the biggest game, the biggest play of the whole night was one of the last plays of the game right before the Titans took their final kneel down was Josh Allen's QB sneak where Jeffrey Simmons just put one arm out and he had the lineman wrapped up in his arms and he just got to Josh Allen and forced him back and Maybe Josh Allen lost his footing a little bit, and maybe he kind of slipped and fell down, or maybe he ran into one of the strongest players in the entire league who was hyped up to make the game-winning play for his defense, just like he did against Tampa Bay, just like he did against the Chargers. I mean, just like he did against the Patriots in the playoffs. Jeffrey Simmons on the goal line, or fourth and short, in those game-clenching situations has just been a beast since the Titans drafted him. It was a great play by Simmons. He's one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league. Uh, underrated player, in my opinion. And it was a big moment for him to, to secure the game with that game-winning play, a goal-line stance. Uh, Josh Allen, you know, I, I talked about, uh, you know, with, with my Draft Network crew earlier today, we talked about the play call on fourth down. Uh, look, Josh Allen is 6'5", 240. I don't, think there was, I don't think it was a bad play call. And, and, and Joe Marino, who we had on this show a week ago to preview this game, he said in that situation, by the way, prior to that play, fourth and inches, fourth and one, Josh Allen on the QB sneak, he's picked it up 13 of 14 times prior yeah. to that play. And the one time he didn't get it, by the way, funny, ironically enough, 
was one that he slipped on it. Oh, I thought it was it, a botched snap I saw. Or it might have been, yeah, you might, sorry, you might have been, a, I think you're right. I think it was a botched snap. My, my apology. I know it was something other than he simply didn't get it. Right. It wasn't so, the push. It wasn't the defense. It was right, just no. a weird so, error, a fluke. Yeah. I think from a Bills perspective, it was a great play call. Look, as a, this should tell you all there is to know about the play. As a Titans fan, I was hoping they would kick the field goal. I'd rather them oh. take it to overtime, win the, let the Titans get 50% chance at the coin toss. I'm just saying, I thought the Bills had a better chance at winning the game by going for it. Absolutely. So I think it was a good, it was a good play call. On and the analytics was back. It was a good decision to go for yeah. it. And analytics so, back that up too. But absolutely. as a Titans fan, I was thinking, I was thinking, go for it, go for it, go for it. Give the Titans a chance to end this game right here, right now. That's funny. See, I thought the opposite. That's that sure, right. I trusted that goal line short yardage defense to come up with a play like this. They had been playing like absolutely. The way they played and great against Baltimore, that. and yeah, yeah, they're great at that. But you said it from the analytics perspective, it gave Buffalo a better chance, right? Because the the way I looked at it was, look, it's fourth and one. They've moved the ball, you know, relatively at will throughout the game. I rather them kick the field goal. Titans got a fifty percent chance of winning this coin toss. They're going to win it, right? If they get, they hadn't stopped Tennessee. There was like six, seven drives consecutive. Titans Tennessee scored, scored field goals, on, touchdowns, field goals, touchdowns. Titans scored on their last six drives of the game, excluding the final kneel down and, and the second half and the end of the half because Titans had right. ran one play and ran into the tunnel. So yeah. those two drives don't count. Titans yeah. had scored on every other drive consecutively. So, And even if the Titans hadn't won the coin flip, I would have been reasonably confident that they could hold the Bills to a field goal. Again, Bills right. two for five in the red zone at that point. And right. get the ball back and go score a touchdown to win the game. Like, that was totally within play. So I think the Titans, I mean, by the, at the point when they were able to take a three-point lead, win probability-wise, a lot of different avenues that could lead to a Titans victory there. Bills were trying to steal one. I like the play call from both aspects. Do you think Mike Vrabel would make that play call? It's so hard to say because sometimes it feels like he's really aggressive and other times it feels like he's un, un, inexplicably conservative, right? But I feel like he would have gone for it. I don't know. Yeah, truthfully impossible to say. I mean, I impossible to say. Because he's so unpredictable. Like I would have thought he would go for the win against the Jets on it was like fourth and 10 and i was still thinking you should go for the win here and not kick this field goal because this is a something that people don't often factor in when they're thinking about like oh when people say oh the bills like bills fans bills should have just kicked the field goal or analysts saying like bills should have kicked the field goal and gone to overtime it's like that field goal is not guaranteed to be a made field goal the snap could be bad the kick could get blocked he could shank it it could he could slip like there's a ton of things that could go wrong on a field goal too it's not like automatic three points but Anyway, we're getting a little off topic here. I think we've covered a lot of what I wanted to say about this game. A.J. Brown finally showed up in the second half. It was nice to see him out there in his uh, MJ flu game. A.J. Brown, MJ Brown uh, out there. Seven catches, 91 yards on nine targets. Led the Titans in catches and yards. All of which came in the second half. All of which came in the second half, yeah. Tannehill was um, pretty off. Early on, he had that throw that uh, over the middle to Julio that could have been a first down. It was like high and behind him. He had the interception we already mentioned. He he was getting rid of the ball quickly under pressure, and he did get pressured a little bit. When Kendall Lamb first came in, there was a bootleg where Tannehill was kind of rolling out to the right, and Lamb was doing a little play action outside zone mimic blocking and got beat almost instantly, and Tannehill just had to sprint to the sideline and throw it away. But 
In the second half, Tannehill was on point. He really commanded the offense, made throw after throw, was finally starting to feel in a rhythm. It felt like like watching him throw in the first half. I felt like, you know, when you're watching the broadcast angle and you just see him kind of like not really find a receiver right away and then throw it. And you're like, oh, I don't know about that throw. And in the second half, it felt like he was hitting the top of his drop and balls firing. And then it's like, you don't even have to see the rest of the field to know if just from the way Tannehill fired the ball, like that is going to find its target. That's going to be a completion. And it was like, like clockwork to AJ Brown over the middle. And it was really working. I thought AJ was going to bust one of those. Maybe if he wasn't sick, he would have had a better chance. Cause there was a couple catches where he had some space there. But other than that, any other takeaways from this game you want to talk about before we get to our chiefs preview? No, I think that pretty much does it. Uh, we got a great guest this week. Uh, Ron Kopp, who knows a whole lot about the Chiefs, lead film analyst, as you said, for SB Nation's Arrowhead Pride, covering all things Kansas City Chiefs. Really smart guy, X's and O's guy, who's going to help us. uh, Look, it's a quick turnaround, right, Uh, for us and for the Titans. So we're going to get right into this Chiefs game, which is uh, incredibly appetizing on paper. The perfect follow-up to that Bills game. No doubt. So without further ado, then, let's bring him on. Here is Ron Kopp who you can find on Twitter at Ron underscore cop, K-O-P-P. Ron, thanks for joining the show. And how are you doing tonight? I'm great. I'm excited for this matchup. All of a sudden, it's a it's a huge uh, game in the AFC playoff race. So I'm excited. Yeah, it's crazy. I, let's just jump right into it with what's going on with the Chiefs. Obviously, three and three right now. Probably a worse record than almost anyone expected coming into the season. In your estimation thus far, what has been wrong with the Chiefs? Well, uh, first of all, there's a few things, uh, obviously, being three and three. Um, but first of all, it's the defense, man. The defense has just been no level. Of the defense has been impressive so far this year. You know, usually a bad defense. Maybe there's one or two units that's really bad. But then there's a good unit, you know, like the pass rush or the coverage is decent and it helps out the rest of the units. Nope, not with the <laughs> Chiefs. They're all, all levels of the defense are bad. And, it, and it's just kind of compounding mistakes by, you know, having no pass rush pass rush and having bad coverage that sort of thing so it's that's been the main thing and and uh injuries have definitely hurt that case you know um they've missed jones for a few games chris jones starting cornerback Traverius ward has been out a little bit too but uh the other thing too i, I i'd be remiss to not mention the turnovers uh the chiefs have just had yeah. insanely uh, i don't even want to call it bad turnover luck because at some point it's not lucky right i think it's just part of who you are and and they have lacked ball security this year there's been a lot of fumbles a lot of drop passes that have turned into interceptions and then you know just carelessness from mahomes as well so i'd say uh the turnovers on offense have clouded what's really been an efficient offense besides that and then like i said the defense has just been terrible there's no other way to put it and ron i'm i'm glad that you brought up uh, you know, the status of, of the health of some of these Kansas City Chiefs players, defenders uh, specifically. So I know we're recording this on Tuesday night, so it's a little early in the game week. But how healthy do you think Kansas City will be heading into this one? Talking about guys like Chris Jones, Charvarius Ward, and, and so on. Um, do you like their chances of playing on Sunday? Yeah, you know, Jones might be back. He's, he's missed the last two games, Chris Jones. Um, he's had a wrist injury, which I think they've been holding him out more to just kind of have him rest that up and, and be, you know, uh, you know, more hundred percent rather than just having him play at you know, 70% and, and not really getting that wrist any better. So he might be back. Anthony Hitchens starting middle linebacker for the chiefs just suffered at hyper elbow in the Sunday game against Washington. 
And we don't know the status of that right now, honestly. Uh, you know, practice starts on Wednesday, so we don't know if he's going to be missing practice. It might be a multi-week thing. It might just be something he can play with, but it's kind of hampering him. So that's that. And then I think Trevarius Ward will be back. He's been questionable the last two weeks with a quad injury. I think they've, they've just kind of – he's been on the edge of coming back, and I think we'll see him back, especially when you're talking about who the Chiefs need to be defending on the Titans with some of their bigger receivers – uh, Ward's definitely the cornerback with the most size. And so I think this might be the game where they really need him. And so he, he might push to be back this year, this week. And for our listeners, a quick little shout out to Charvarius Ward, the middle Tennessee state alum uh, who was a UDFA, I think, right. was a UDFA that I was yeah. high on man throughout that entire draft process. I remember interviewing him, staying in touch with him throughout the process. I, I think I had called him an underrated gem throughout that. So I had a good feeling that 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 guy was going to be successful and a good relationship with Kevin Byard as well, who obviously kind of set the way or or laid the foundation down for a lot of these MTSU guys as of late. So I know Byard and and Ward will be happy to see each other on Sunday. Um, But but I'm curious, Ron, to get your thoughts on what's been the opposing team's recipe for Kansas City's three losses thus far. Uh, When you're talking about on the opposing offensive side of the ball, when they're facing the Chiefs defense, Man, it's really been about getting out wide, getting quick passes to the flat, you know, um, attacking the, the the outer parts of the field. Because I think the Chiefs linebackers and their second level of the uh, defense in general has been very unathletic, very slow. They lack range. And I think that's why you see a lot of, uh, you know, outside runs have success. A lot of, you know, a play action where they're rolling out and dumping off to, into the flat. You know, linebackers just aren't getting over there in time. And so I think that's one big thing that's been, uh, you know, for the opposing offenses to have success, but also it's just been a lot of miscues on the chiefs part, honestly, you know, it's not necessarily what another team is doing. I mean, you see constant miscommunications and coverage uh, with the chiefs, you see constant missed tackles. And that is one thing they did switch up the starting lineup against Washington. Uh, Juan Thornhill actually finally got his first start of the year over Dan Sorensen as that free safety in the base package. And, and finally, the defense looked a little better. There was one huge coverage lapse on a touchdown before half. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think, uh, you know, maybe that's that's a recipe for success for the Chiefs, uh, getting Juan Thornhill in the starting lineup. But uh, besides that, man, it's just they've lacked a lot of athleticism on this defense so far. And, and opposing teams have really taken advantage of it, by the ways I, I just mentioned. Sounds a lot like the Titans season so far, at least in the games they've struggled to, is just a lot of self-inflicted things that, you know, you're beating yourself more than the opponents beating you or turning it over in the red zone or whatever it is. We've seen, I feel like a lot of that from both teams, both teams pretty banged up heading into this matchup too. So I think there's a lot of similarities just in what this season has been so far for the Titans and the chiefs. But when, when the chiefs have it going and it's been working, what's been so much better in those three games, is it just protecting the football or how have they come out with the wins that they've come out with? Well, just in general this year, the offense has been historically good, um, historically efficient. It's just the turnovers have really clouded a lot of that. But like you mentioned with, you know, when the games, they haven't turned it over as much because in wins like against Philly, uh, they still turned it over. Uh, Mahomes still had a bad interception in that game. And even Washington, obviously, last week, they had some a couple. So just limiting the turnovers, I guess. But if they're not giving the ball away by turnover, they're scoring points. They they still, uh, I believe, honestly, I haven't checked this week after uh, week six's results, but they are still tops of the league uh, at some at some rank, you know, uh, one of the top spots at scoring percentage in terms of drives that end in a score. And, uh, you know, they're, they're still putting up a lot of points if they get rid of the turnovers. 
So that's, that's, that's been the main thing, honestly, because the defense hasn't really been much help at all. You know, against Washington, they played a better game, but uh, the offense is still, you know, carrying this team uh, completely, I would say by right now. Right. And I think that that's kind of what, you know, the Titans did. That's kind of how the Titans were able to beat the chiefs last time they played in the regular season when the chiefs came to Nashville and they had the Titans had that turnover fumble that they returned for a touchdown. They had a blocked field goal, little like I'll call them fluky type plays that helped where when you're just talking about like offense versus defense between the twenties, like the chiefs are usually the dominant team, but it's all these other elements of football. You're not playing with a round ball. So that's kind of what's doomed the chiefs this year from my observation. Yeah, no, absolutely. That really has been it. And like I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, you want to call it turnover luck. You want to call it bad luck and, and turnovers because, hey, you know, you, you can't count on people dropping passes or, uh, you know, uh, one of Mahomes' interceptions was a tip pass at the line that, you know, became an interception. And you could blame the offensive lineman for not cutting the guy on a quick pass, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, it, 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 you want to call it luck, but at the same time, when it's this prevalent, this far into the season, it's kind of who they are right now. They, they've really been careless with the ball and, and there's no reason to think that's just going to magically change because it's, it's really been a prevalent thing throughout the entire year. Yeah, Ron, when you said coverage lapses, I can't think of a better title for what this game will probably be. I, th- I think this will be a game of coverage lapses on both sides of the ball or on both sides, you know, both teams. So I can all but assure you of that. Um, uh, but, but, you know, we talked about the, the t- you've talked about the turnovers a lot, obviously throughout this segment, but Mahomes specifically. Now let me lead this by saying, I still think he's the best quarterback in the NFL. And I think anyone would probably be crazy uh, to, to say otherwise, but you know, he's leading the NFL in touchdowns, but he's also tied in for second place with interceptions. And, and some of them, let's just call them what they are. You know, that one against Washington, uh, not the one that was tipped, but the, the, the terrible decision. I mean, that's about as bad as an interception as you'll see any quarterback throw in the NFL, right? I mean, that's a, that's a third string uh, type interception there, right? That, that's an error that you expect Davis Mills to make on Houston or, or something like that, right? So what do you think is, is going on there? And, and what are your expectations for him? Uh, do you see him kind of cutting down on those as the year goes on? I think, I think he will. I think one thing that's happening right now is, is, is I think he's just pressing a little bit, which is an indictment on him. You know, you can't be pressing in the NFL. You got to just kind of, you know, as a great quarterback, you have to just kind of, you know, uh, take what the defense gives you and make the plays when they're there and, and don't try to force a play when it's not there. It's, it's a bad quality of an NFL quarterback. And I think right now he is pressing because he knows how, how little the defense is kind of helping the team right now. And, and, like I said, it, it's not it's not an excuse because I think that's something he has to rein in. Just like, for example, the Washington interception, you're down three, it's third down, you know, and, and it's a run play. It, it was a called run play. He turns the hand off and he fumbles it. Why are you trying to make a pass out of that? You know, it's right before half. It's third down. You're in field goal range. You're oh, down so by in the three. Red zone. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. It, is, it was a pretty, you know, it was probably like a 40, 45 yard field goal. You know, nothing crazy. I just, you gotta, something, I just, I, I'm, I'm kind of confused how, or, you know, a little troubled that, that alarms didn't go off in his head. Like, Hey, I just got to eat this in this situation. I appreciate him being so aggressive. It's what makes him really good. But I think w- what we've seen a lot of his career is him have that healthy balance of aggression and taking, you know, what's there and not kind of forcing it. I think this year he's forcing it a lot more. And I think that will get reined in over time. And, and hopefully I, the defense kind of helps him out more. So he feels a little more confident, I guess, but Right now, it is a bad quality of his, and and it's it's something that keeps happening, keeps popping up. 
Well, Ron, we really appreciate your time tonight. We're going to wrap it up here with one last question. Kind of get your thoughts on how you think this game will unfold. Chiefs offense probably be able to take it to a Titans defense. It'll likely look a lot like the last Titans game against the Bills on Monday night, where it kind of comes down to red zones and turnovers and who can really execute in crucial moments. But what do you think? What do you expect in this matchup? Yeah, I'm expecting a lot of points, man. Uh, if you're in Vegas, I'd, I'd hammer that over because I, I, I really <laughs> think I really think there's going to be a lot of a, a lot of points scored, uh, not only on the Chiefs side, but uh, on the Titans side, man. You know, I the Chiefs run defense has improved since that week two debacle against Baltimore. But I also think they just haven't really faced a run offense, um, really a strong run offense in that span. And we all know what Tennessee can bring. I know, you know, the, the offensive line is a little banged up right now, but someone like Derrick Henry with the defensive line that like the Chiefs are playing right now, they're not getting a lot of penetration. They're not really stopping stuffing gaps really well. If he gets a full head of steam through through the line of scrimmage to our second level, man, our second level has really been in trouble this year. So that's that's not a good recipe for success. I think the Titans have their way a little bit with the Chiefs defense and uh, a couple of years ago, like 2019, I think it could end up in a similar game like that, you know, all both in the thirties and it kind of comes down to who has the ball last. Nice. I, I kind of agree. I think that's going to be how this game plays out. I think that's going to be how a lot of Titans and a lot of chiefs games play out throughout this entire season. If we don't see either defense make massive improvements. So hopefully it's a potential playoff preview here. I think both teams are, are poised to make potential playoff runs. So this could be a preview of a matchup we see again in January. Remember guys, you can follow Ron on Twitter at Ron underscore cop K O P P. Thanks for joining us and good luck this weekend. Ron, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, absolutely. No, good luck. It'll, it'll be a fun game. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Ron. Love his insight there. Sounded like he thinks the Titans have a pretty good chance of coming out with a win here. I will say, I mean, the Titans place amongst the AFC elite could shift the public perception of it anyway, could shift based on what happens in this game. If the Titans somehow, I don't expect this at all, but if the Titans have like a dominant win against the Chiefs now after coming off a win against the Bills, they're going to be looked at and talked about quite differently around the league. If, on the other hand, the Chiefs come out and just annihilate the Titans, which I think is extremely possible, I want to, before we close the show, discuss the extreme possibility, almost likelihood, that the Titans come into this game with a major letdown after putting everything into beating the Bills on Monday Night Football on a short week with all these injuries. It's a bit emotional. I know Taylor Lewan is largely fine, but like that was an emotional injury with the way that he was laying on the field and had to be stretchered off. All the torn ACLs and, and other injuries where people had to be carted off. Again, coming off a game that you just put everything into like that, I think can be a letdown game. The Chiefs aren't the Chiefs that they were the last couple years, even though their offense is still really good and they've just been turning the ball over too much. Like you could have that perception and the Chiefs aren't five and one or six and oh Chiefs right now. You know, they're three and three. So all that to say, the extreme likelihood, not likely not extreme likelihood, but the possibility that the Chiefs come in and win like 31 to 13, like the Cardinals did is high. And if that happens, then people around the media, around the league, will look at the Bills win as a fluke and the Titans aren't really competitive and the Chiefs are back and yeah, yeah. So anyway, Titans can do a lot for their own for their own image in this game, but they can also do a lot for the playoff standings because even though it's only going to be week seven now, 
all these games matter against these playoff hopefuls, like like the Chiefs and the Bills and Titans don't play the Ravens this year, but the Ravens right now, five and one, holding on to that number one seed. They've won five games in a row. Titans are only one game back of the one seed right now. And I know it feels like two weeks ago the season was over when they lost to the Jets, but <laughs> here they are on an, a, a little win streak of their own, one game back of the bye. This game's huge for playoff seeding, even though it's only week seven. It's huge. I mean, you said it. Look, they've lost two games this year, the Cardinals and Jets. Neither of those losses is going to have any implications on their playoff seeding. Right? right. So now you've got to win over uh, you've got to win over the Bills, which could could be huge. You've got to win over the Colts where, I mean, I, I think that's all but settled, but Hey, they won big on Sunday and their schedule gets easier. I don't think they've played Jacksonville yet. So they're probably going to stay in this thing a little bit. Uh, they'll play Houston again, right? There are a couple wins on Indianapolis' schedule. So they'll probably yeah. stay in the thick of the wild card race. You got to win over them. You got to win over the bills. If you can get a win over the chiefs. You move to five and two, you knock the chiefs down to three and four. I mean, you're feeling really good about yourself. I think you said it. I, I think if they if they have a letdown in this game and, and they get annihilated, people will uh, same old Titans, you know, whatever. They just they had a good night on primetime. They were pumped up, yada, yada, yada. That 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 talk will be prevalent if they go out there and they get their ass kicked against Kansas City. But if they win this game, I mean, <laughs> you stack back to back W's over the Bills and Chiefs. I mean, I, I don't know how anybody can look at that even with the chief struggles. I don't know how anyone could look at that and, and not respect it. And just how much of a bummer is that Jets loss right now? Titans could be 5-1, and one, tied for the Ooh. best record in the AFC, looking like one of the most dominant teams in the league. They could be that, but they chat the bet against they, the Jets. I, I wonder if they would be the one seed currently if they had won that Jets game. I feel That's like they question. probably would. I don't know because what all the... the the tiebreakers are, but the fact that they were five and one beat the jets, their lone loss would be an NFC loss to the Cardinals. Right. Whereas the Ravens lost week one to the Raiders an AFC right. team. So I don't know if I'm fully accurate on, on that's how it works, but no, you I are. am right. So they would be the yeah. one seed. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. The freaking jets, man. I don't want to, I mean, it was a great game on Monday, a great win for the Titans. I don't want to be a downer, but like that game still pisses me off. Zach Wilson, Ugh. man. Zach Wilson can't stop Zach Wilson. It is what it no. is. I guess the Titans can't, but all right, let's get out of here with some score predictions. I'm going to say I was uh, very close on my you were. Titans prediction. You were very I close. Said, I said 31-28 that the Titans would win it a close one late. I was just three points off for each team there, and it was a three-point game that the Titans won close late. So for the Chiefs game, I'm going to say the Chiefs win, but I'm actually going to pick Titans 35, Chiefs 31, because I'm picking with my heart, even though I expect the Chiefs to come in and win this game. I do too. I'm going to be honest with you. I, th I think you just have a hard time seeing the Chiefs, you know, move into three and four. Uh, you have a hard time seeing the Titans win both of these games. Uh, look, as long as it's close, I personally wouldn't be frustrated. I'm going to say that's tough. I'm going to say Chiefs 34, Titans 28. Nice. All right. Well, we're pretty close there, except that I have the Titans winning. That'll do it. We did it. That's our show. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. A bit of a long one today, so we appreciate all the listeners. I do have to read a review before we get out of here, as promised. We're going to read these uh, Apple Podcast reviews. When you guys leave us a five-star review, and um, this one came in from NM Patriot right after our last show. Great job. Thank you guys for your truly in-depth podcast about the game. I enjoyed this very much. 
and we enjoy bringing it to you every week. So thanks for listening. Keep leaving those five-star reviews. We will keep shouting you out on the podcast. And I was thinking, Justin, I had an idea. I want to know what you think of this. We're shouting these people out on the podcast. They're shouting us out in the Apple Podcast Reviews. What if we made it a thing where it was like, if you want us to shout someone or something or whatever random nonsense you want us to shout out, or it's your brother's birthday or I don't know. If you want us to shout something out on the podcast, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and we will shout it out, whatever it is, no matter how ridiculous or crazy, as long as it's not inappropriate. <laughs> I mean, I was going to start a cameo and have people pay us $200 a pop to, to do <laughs> No, all kidding is... <laughs> you could do all that. Folks, this is a $200 value. All you have to do is leave a five-star review. <laughs> That's all you got to do. It'll be free if you leave the five-star review. No, all kidding aside, I mean, we'd be thrilled to do that. This is the Music City Audible. Uh, we're, we're, we are for the people, by the people, right? Justin Graver, Justin Mello, bringing this to you every week, every Wednesday now with great guests, great analysis, and and, and recaps of the Titans' recent game. So anybody wants a shout-out, man, you leave the five-star review, and we'll happily take care of that. All right, so that's the new thing. Shout-outs in the five-star review section of Apple Podcasts on the Music City Audible podcast. We appreciate all you guys for tuning in and sticking with us for this episode. We will be back next week. No matter what happens, Titans could win, Titans could lose, Titans game could get canceled like has happened to us in the past. We had an impromptu bye week episode. No matter what, we will be back next Wednesday, hopefully to recap a Titans win over the Chiefs. That'd be cool. We'll do it then. Until that time, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.